All right, hi guys, I'm Ronnie. You might not recognize my voice, but I work at Bobble House, and thanks for joining me for this special episode of Obsessed. Today, I'm gonna be reading one of our latest Bobble blogs about our upcoming exhibition, Invisible Ticket. And this exhibition really means a lot to me because it's about my dad and my relationship with him and his relationships with all of our family and how music has played such an integral role in that. We're actually opening the exhibition tonight, so if you're listening to this the day that it's released, then you should probably come around tonight. Otherwise, if you just don't have the time to be reading right now, you're in the car, you're on the train, or if you're dyslexic like me, then enjoy this reading of our latest Bobble blog. Music is the Invisible Ticket, the Allborns bring an unwritten library to Bobble House. My dad, Brian Allborn, has mapped much of his life upon music. He named me after six musicians, three men and three women artists, including folk singer Ronnie Gilbert, who, according to another singer-songwriter, Holly Near, gave every woman that I know a way to express exactly how she's feeling. Having lived in Germany in the 80s, he named my brother Max after Reinhard May's Dupestein Riese Max, a German song that translates to You're a Giant, Max. Our namesakes pay tribute to my dad's profound appreciation for what music has done for him his entire life. Much of history isn't written down, Brian says but it can be understood through music. Today, he lives in New Orleans, where music is imbued into the city's physical ecosystem and cultural soul. Introductions are everywhere, he says. Discussions about music are everywhere. The Jazz Fest lineup just dropped, so my group text chains are going nuts. Online, too, music is omnipresent. I'm a Bob Dylan fan. I can go to his website every day, and it lists articles about his history and recommended artists. From his young adulthood, my dad was probably Dylan's most conscientious listener. Dylan's lyrics, written a generation before my dad's own coming of age, were prophetic for the human condition ahead. I was reading about Dylan's perspective on divorce when I was 15, reading about religious transformation in my 20s, reading Dylan's experiences as a grandfather when I was in my 30s. The lyrics were richly liberating, offering a way out of his hometown, a conservative community where teenagers were dutifully sorted into farmers, football players, and cheerleaders. A question in your nerves is lit. Yet you know there is no answer fit. To satisfy, ensure you not to quit. To keep it in your mind and not forget that it is not he or she or them or it that you belong to. That's an excerpt from a Dylan song. It's alright ma, I'm only bleeding. Often in conversations with my dad, he'll just begin to recite lyrics, so I thought it was fitting to throw that in here. Before long, Brian had consumed over 30 books about Dylan, his lyrics, and their various interpretations. After all, he was a disciple of curiosity, not certainty. Untethered to a single artist, he applied his fervor more widely to the works of the Allman Brothers Band, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, Aretha Franklin, Joni Mitchell, and Led Zeppelin. He found that their music offered him a way into other worlds, perspectives, and generations. It was a form of escape from his hometown of Indiana as much as it was a framework for empathy. My grandparents went to high school in the 20s, Brian said. They and my parents had a different way of relating to me than I do with my wife or my kids for communication, for sharing cultures and feelings. But music had a way of collapsing those walls, even if just enough for them to see eye to eye. My dad remembers from his early life a quiet day with his father Fred, who'd suddenly pointed out a Johnny Cash song that had been playing on the radio in the background. It was I Walk the Line. Fred had liked its interpreted values of fidelity, loyalty. Though the hits had been steadily humming on the radio day in and day out, this was Brian's earliest memory of them talking specifically about the music and what it meant to them. The conversation continued and the gulf between him and his father inched closer. 
Brian eagerly asked his father if he'd heard Dylan's A Hard Rain's a Gonna Fall, widely believed to be about the Cuban Missile Crisis, though Dylan would later say it's a funeral song more broadly about evil for evil. My grandfather talked about being a young father in 1962 during the Cold War, when, although we were focused on diapers and work, the overhanging threat of nuclear war created an omnipresent layer of stress that was overwhelming at times. The truth, Fred declared, was that all nostalgia operated as fiction. His life and the lives of those around him had not at all resembled the black-and-white Pleasantville stuff, often evoked in retrospect by their descendants. Fred's life had featured complex high and low points, he told my dad. I had a friend that tried to commit suicide when he was 23. I had a friend with severe mental illness that ended up in asylum. I also had friends who made a lot of money. The problems and pressures that his son was facing, Fred argued, were not new. They were what people had been going through for decades. Every generation goes through hard shit, and the next generation tries to forget it or romanticize it. The white picket fences and the societal bullshit roles, that's not what really happened. It was precisely what my dad had so ardently gleaned from the musicians that he now heard explicitly from his father. Evidence that through music, the human experience could be shared, passed down, and learned from. Brian also learned that while music could be a ticket to undiscovered places for himself, he could offer such a ticket to others, allowing them access to his world. His grandfather, George, had grown up in a quiet Michigan farming community. He loved whistling along to the Mills Brothers, a black quartet that rose to prominence just before World War II with vocals intonating brass instruments. We drink Manhattans and play cards and listen to music together, my dad remembers, and one day I showed him Pink Floyd's album, The Dark Side of the Moon. Brian often introduced new music to his grandfather. Some stuff he was open-minded about, some stuff he wasn't. But that day, George was riveted by something else, the technology. Headphones were new in the early 70s, my dad says. They listened to The Dark Side of the Moon on 8-track tapes, together with the new experience of the music traveling left to right, right to left. I gotta go get one of those, marveled and amazed George. Decades later, my dad continued the conversation as a father of two. He took a professorial approach to developing my brother and my literacy and curiosity for music. We used to ride in the car throughout our suburban hometown in Michigan, 20 miles from Detroit. With my brother and I strapped in the back seat, he'd ask, Hey, you want to do a Dylan song right now? Max and I would immediately understand this to mean, Dad's about to play a song, but he's going to stop it 30 times and he'll want to talk about it along the way. One thing you'll learn from the music is that your kids are so different, Brian says. He could point out his own sources of intrigue, McTaylor's solo, a particularly cerebral refrain, a decadent brass section. But at the end of the day, the kids will get what they get. And if they didn't want to engage at the time, we'd simply drop it for the moment. Still, it was a special way for him to show us how we could cultivate a relationship with music and how music would be a way for him to communicate with us throughout our lives. My dad took, and still takes, a dissective approach to doing a song, stanza by stanza. He'd pause the music and say, did you hear what the artist just said? That was insane to say at the time. He would tell me how it made him feel, what it made him realize. He would tell me what he learned. He'll find appropriate songs for different times in my life. He always says that there are songs you grow up with and songs you grow out of and then back into. He showed me that music is a shared language and medium to prove that no experience could be totally isolating or overwhelming. I have more to contribute to the conversation now that I'm older. I can offer my own context. I can tell him what matters to me. I can tell him what songs are going to be the biggest hits of the year and why. Throughout his life, my dad collected well over a thousand vinyl records. Today, the collection has been distilled to several hundred, divided equally, materially and spiritually, between Max and I. The delineation process crystallized how my dad had come to know us through and because of the music. 
We were all standing around this tower of records, and he was just distributing them, literally, left and right. Some of it was mathematical, four Beatles for Ronnie, four Beatles for Max. But while my dad abided by the paternal principle of fairness, he bequeathed some albums with the deeper paternal instinct of love. If an album evoked the soul of Brooklyn, it would go to Max, who was living there at the time, or he'd look at a record and say, this was about mold-breaking women, for you, Ronnie. The albums are a physical inheritance for our family, our relationship with music a more profound one. As a young Brian Alborn shared the lyrics of Bob Dylan and Tony Bennett with his father and grandfather, my brother and I have introduced our father to frameworks of our own, like what it means to construct a playlist not by artist, genre, history, or ideology, but by its vibes. I do Spotify playlists now, says Brian. I'm getting into that chill, study, coffeehouse, ambiance-focused music. To be clear, my dad isn't new to the curatorial approach of playlists. He proposed to my mom, Leslie, in the 90s with a cassette tape acrostic poem spelling out, Will You Marry Me, Leslie? W was appropriately The Beatles' When I'm 64. Now, Max and I are bringing part of our inherited collection to Bobble House as part of an experiential listening gallery and series of events. My albums made their first appearance in the 2022 Bobble Holiday Collection, where they served as an aesthetic complement to the vibrant photo shoot. Ophelia pointed out that during the photo shoot, I had handled my vinyls with a tender particularity. I am, after all, my father's daughter. The cardinal rule is that you never reshelve someone else's albums, he had said. Everyone has a system of their own. My dad alphabetizes them by last name, then chronologically. My brother and I both alphabetize by first name. More than that, though, the tactile work of handling my albums prompted me to share the role that music played in my life and that of my family. I immediately understood what that connection meant, says Ophelia. The Bobble House team and I want to share the various ways music can be a community experience. The Bobble House Valentine's Day indulgence drop will be sold inside vintage album covers, evoking the exhilarating experience of sorting through albums. Community members will be invited to swap albums, sharing as a fundamental means of sustainability. Our flagship on 180 Orchard Street will host listening galleries in the tradition of my dad and his friends, who would go to each other's houses just to listen to music. Invisible Ticket, an unwritten library, will be officially opening on February 9th, 2023, with an opening reception from 6 to 8 p.m. at Bobble House. Throughout the exhibition, album trading will be available. To continue the tradition of passing on stories through music, the Bobble House team has chosen the albums most important to us and included a story of what each album means to us. We just ask that when you bring in an album to trade, you provide a story as well. We will include and display the handwritten stories as part of the exhibition. We are thrilled to present Invisible Ticket, an unwritten library, as an exhibition honoring music as a love language from February 9th to April 3rd, 2023. We hope to see you there and can't wait to hear your stories.